consenting. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we've been studying this book Lum'atul I'tiqad a book which explains to us the aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the correct creed, the correct belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah in regards to various aspects, with regards to the Qur'an, with regards to the companions, with regards indeed to your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we've been talking about the belief in Allah what a Muslim's belief in Allah is. And we've mentioned about the names and attributes, and the last thing that we were discussing was the evidences in the Qur'an that highlight that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mighty, the majestic, the one who is above, higher than all of His creation. All of the creation that Allah has made, all of this, what Allah has created, the heavens, the earth, the universe, the sun, the moons, all of this, Allah is above all of that. Allah is the most high. He is the one that is above all of His creation, separate and distinct from His creation. Because it would not be honorable, it would not be honorable for us to believe that Allah is anything other than above all of us. How could we say that Allah is with us here, mixed in with His creation? That isn't the correct belief. The correct belief is not that Allah is mixed in with all of His creation everywhere. The correct belief is that Allah is above and the Most High. He is above all of us, all of this creation. He is the Most High above His throne. That is what is deserving of Allah the Creator. The Creator who created His creation, He is above all of His creation. Not mixed in everywhere in the creation. That doesn't make any sense. And Allah told us in the Qur'an, in the Qur'an itself, ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ So many times that He, Allah, rose above the throne. The throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the greatest thing from all of the creation of Allah. From all of the things that Allah has created, the greatest creation is His throne. And Allah is above that, above all of the creation, separate and distinct from it. So here the author goes on to talk about that issue a little bit more. So he says, وَفِيمَا نُقِلَ مِنْ عَلَامَاتِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَأَصْحَابِهِ فِي الْكُتُبِ الْمُتَقَدِّمَةِ That what has been narrated to us from the signs of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions in the early books, أَنَّهُمْ يَسْجُدُونَ بِالْأَرْضِ That they prostrate upon the earth, 
وَيَزْعُمُونَ أَنَّ إِلَاهَهُمْ فِي السَّمَاءِ And they claim that their Lord is above the heavens. This particular narration is actually not established. Mentioned by the author in the text, but as a Sheikh Zaid says, it is not established, authenticated this particular narration. Nevertheless, there are many other narrations in the hadith or what is narrated by Abu Dawood in his Sunan, Sunan Abi Dawood, Anna Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, Innama bayna samain ila samain masiratu kada wa kada. Wadakar al-khabar ila qawlih, Wa fawqa thalika al-arsh, Wallahu subhanahu fawqa thalik. In the narration that is in Sunan Abi Dawood, it is mentioned that between every heaven to the next heaven is a distance of such and such. Certain distances are mentioned in those narrations. 500 years, etc. The gap between one heaven to the next heaven. And then it says in the narration, وَفَوْقَ ذَلِكَ الْعَرْشِ On top of all of those heavens is the throne of Allah. On top of all of the heavens is the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is above that. The throne of Allah is above all of the heavens. Then Allah is above the throne. Meaning above all of the creation. فَهَذَا وَمَا أَشْبَهَهُ مِمَّا أَجْمَعَ السَّلَفُ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ عَلَى نَقْلِهِ وَقَبُولِهِ وَلَمْ يَتَعَرَّضُوا لِرَدِّهِ وَلَا تَأْوِيلِهِ وَلَا تَشْبِيهِهِ وَلَا تَمْثِيلِهِ So this narration is something which highlights the a fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the creation, above His throne, above everything, as the Shaykh goes on to mention, فَفِيهِ إِثْبَاتُ عُلُوِ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ عَرْشِهِ وَهُوَ أَعْلَىٰ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ وَأَكْبَرُهَا وَفِي الْجُمْلَةِ الْأَخِيرَةِ تَقْرِيرٌ لِمَنْهَجِ السَّلَفِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ قَبُولِ نُصُوصِ الصِّفَاتِ So it mentions here, the agreement and the acknowledgement of the Salaf that they all believed in the names and attributes of Allah as is befitting of the majesty of Allah. So we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above all of the creation, not here everywhere mixed in with the creation. Yes, Allah hears everything and Allah sees everything and Allah knows everything, all of those things. But he himself, we don't say he's mixed in with us everywhere. That is not honorable. Rather, Allah is above, on top of all of this creation. The Most High. Then it is mentioned here what Al-Imam Malik said. وَقَوْلُ الْمُؤَلِّفِ سُئِلَ الْإِمَامُ مَالِكِ بْنُ أَنَسْ رَضِئَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ فَقِيلْ يَا أَبَا عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الرحمن على العرش استوى كيف استوى فقال الاستواء غير مجهول والكيف غير معقول والإيمان به واجب والسؤال عنه بدعة ثم أمر بالرجل فأخرج This is a famous narration something that happened with الإمام مالك 
that on one occasion a man said to Al-Imam Malik, he quoted to him the ayah that Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arshi stawa, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rose above the throne, was established above the throne. The man said to Al-Imam Malik about this ayah, كَيْفَ stawa? How did Allah rise above the throne? How did Allah rise above the throne? So Al-Imam Malik replied, Al-Istiwa'u ghayru majhul. The istiwa, the fact that Allah has rose above the throne, that is something which is known. That is something which is known to us. It is not unknown. We know that, that Allah rose above the throne. That is something known to us. As for how, how did Allah rise above the throne? How does that happen? How do we imagine it? He said, that is not something we know. That is not something we try and think about or imagine. We don't know that. Allah didn't tell us that. So we don't try and imagine that. Well, imanu bihi wajib. But to have iman in it is obligatory. To have iman that Allah rose above the throne. That is obligatory. وَالسُؤَالُ عَنْهُ بِدْعَى And asking questions about it. How did Allah do that? How do we imagine that? How do we picture that? All of that type of thing is an innovation. So then Imam Malik after that, commanded for this man to be removed. Ordered the people to remove this man and he was removed from that gathering. So in this narration, Imam Malik, the Imam of Al-Madina at the time, he is one of the great scholars of knowledge who affirms the attribute to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the attributes of perfection, affirms them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without making any resemblances or comparisons or rejecting them or giving descriptions. So he detailed the ayah regarding Allah rising above the throne and he said, Al-Istiwa ghayru majhul. The fact that Allah has arisen above the throne, that is something which is known to us. That is known to us. It is in the Quran. It is in the Sunnah. It is known to all of the Muslims that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rose above His throne in a manner that is suiting of His Majesty, befitting of His Majesty, that Allah rose above the throne. As for asking how did Allah do that, Al-Kayf غَيْرُ معقول. That is something which is outside of our comprehension. It is outside of our comprehension how Allah rose above the throne and detailing that and imagining that. That is not something we know, that is not something we can imagine. Because we have not seen Allah. None of us have seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have not seen the throne. So it is not something we can imagine. And even then, if you try to imagine, you never can. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we already discovered, is far greater than anything you can imagine. You can never imagine. So do not imagine. That is something beyond us. So we cannot try to comprehend those details. But we believe 
We believe in what is mentioned though. Allah mentions He rose above the throne. So we believe and have iman that Allah rose above the throne. And that is what He says next, that iman in this affair is wajib. We must have iman in that, that Allah rose above the throne. Because that is what Allah told us in the Qur'an. So we have iman, Allah is the most high. And Allah is above all of us, all of the creation. He is the most high. And asking questions about this type of thing is an innovation. وَالسُؤَالُ عَنْهُ bid'ah. Asking questions about this type of thing, why and how and what's the details and how do we imagine Allah going above the throne, you don't go into those conversations. You do not ask those types of questions. You don't try and detail that and imagine that. We don't know those things. Allah didn't give us those descriptions. We have not seen Allah. So you cannot and it is not allowed to start thinking about those things and asking those types of questions. To start thinking and imagining about how. That is not for us to do. Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You have not been given from knowledge except a small amount. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us a small amount of knowledge, did not give us knowledge of everything, did not give us knowledge of all of the details, but the items that Allah did tell us about, what Allah did inform us about, in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah, then we must abide by what we have been commanded with, and what we have been told, now we must affirm what Allah has affirmed in the Qur'an. And we must affirm what the Prophet ﷺ affirmed in the Sunnah. And whatever Allah rejected from Himself, then we reject it. Like Allah said, لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَةٌ وَلَا Slumber and sleep does not overcome Allah. Allah rejected this fact. Allah rejected the, the sleep and the slumber overcoming Him. He rejected that. So we reject that and we say, sleep and slumber does not overcome Allah. Because Allah told us, sleep and slumber does not overcome Him. So whatever Allah told us, affirmed, we affirm. Whatever Allah negated, we negate. And that is the way of Ahlul Sunnah. To take what is in the Quran and the Sunnah as it is, with the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah, and accept it upon that basis. Because Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ The Prophet wasallam does not speak of his desires. He doesn't just speak from his desires what he wants. Rather the Prophet wasallam everything he says is revelation. That is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jibreel used to come with that revelation from Allah to him and teach him how it began right at the beginning in the cave when Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Hira in the cave, came to him and taught him, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq Read in the name of your Lord who created that surah, Surah Al-Alaq, that was the beginning of the prophethood. That is when the revelation came to the Prophet ﷺ. And from then on, the revelation carried on coming. 
for 23 years, that Qur'an, that Sunnah carried on being revealed stage by stage to the Prophet ﷺ. And so the Messenger does not speak of his desires. Rather what he taught us is revelation. Allah told us that in the Qur'an, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُحَىٰ He does not speak of his desires. Rather that is revelation which has come. That is revelation that has been inspired to him. Similarly, Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا that which the Prophet ﷺ gives you, then take it. And that which he prohibits you from, then stay away from it. Whatever he commanded you with, then do it. And whatever he prohibited you from, then stay away from it. That is what we have been commanded to do in the Qur'an. In the Sunnah, in the Sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ said the same thing. مَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَا اسْتَطَعْتُمْ وَمَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ The Prophet ﷺ said, What I have commanded you with, then do as much as you are able, and what I have prohibited you from, then stay away from it. This is what is upon us. So when a Muslim takes the shahada, and you say, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ مُحَمَّدُ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ you are testifying that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. And that Muhammad is the final messenger and the servant of Allah. That includes four things. When you say, and you believe that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, and you say, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, then that means four things. If you testify that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, then firstly it means... Obviously, that you will obey the Messenger of Allah then. If you are testifying, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah, then that obviously means you need to obey him. How can you say that you believe he's the Messenger of Allah, but then not do what he says? So you have to obey the Messenger of Allah in the rulings of the religion, what you've been told to do. Secondly, you have to stay away from what he prohibited. Because again, if you are testifying Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, then how can you go and do the things which he told you not to do? If you are testifying he is the messenger of Allah, he got the revelation from Allah, the final messenger, the best of the creation, then how can you disobey him? Follow the commandments and stay away from the prohibitions that he taught us. Thirdly, that you will believe in all of the narrations that he taught us. All of the information that the Prophet ﷺ gave us. Everything about the religion. There are things in the future, the day of judgment. All of the signs of the day of judgment that are going to happen. When a person dies and the angels come and they take your soul. And what happens to you in your grave. And then the resurrection when everybody will be raised up again. And they will be naked and uncircumcised. Everybody raised up together. And the accountability will occur. And your books will be given to you with all of the deeds that you did in this world. All of your good deeds written down. All of your bad deeds written down. All of these things will happen. Your judgment will be made. Your deeds will be weighed up in the weighing scale on the day of judgment. 
and you will cross over the bridge, the bridge which is thinner than a hair, sharper than a sword, with claws upon it, and it is slippery, and there will be darkness, and you will be given a certain amount of light to walk across that bridge, and those who fall off it fall into the hellfire, those who cross over it and manage it get to paradise. All of these things we've been taught by the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. All of this information we've been given in the Sunnah, in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah, that all of these things are going to take place. So you must have Iman, absolute faith, belief that the resurrection will occur and everybody will be raised up and the accountability will happen and people will enter paradise or hell. That will certainly occur. So you believe in all of that. Because if you're saying, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abdu wa rasoolah, I bear testification that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, then you have to believe him in everything he taught us. How can you reject what he taught us if you're saying you believe he is the messenger of Allah? And fourthly, if you testify that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, then it means you are testifying that you will worship Allah in the way that he taught us. Because Allah gave him the revelation. Allah gave him the revelation and taught him how we are supposed to worship Allah. And the messenger taught us how to do that then. So we can only worship Allah in the way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us to worship Allah. In the way that he taught us to worship Allah, that is how we worship Allah. You cannot just make up your own way of worshiping Allah. You can't just make up your own worship, do something, some dhikr, whatever, and say this is worship and I'm remembering Allah. You can't just make things up. Worship will only be accepted if you do it sincerely for the sake of Allah and you do it in accordance to how the Messenger taught us. That is a condition. A condition for your obedience and your worship to be accepted is that you must do it in the way Allah and His Messenger taught us. If you do it in some other way, it won't be accepted. Somebody comes along and they pray, they say, I'm going to do my sajda first, I'm a ruku afterwards. Or they say, when I pray dhuhr, I'm going to pray six raka'at instead of four, get extra reward. You can't. If you do that, your prayer is invalid. You can't just make things up. You can't just say, I'm going to pray six raka'at and get more reward. You can't just say, uh, I'm not going to bother with wudu today. I'm clean anyway, I had a shower in the morning. I'm not going to bother making wudu, I'll just pray. You can't. You can't just make up anything yourself and do whatever you want. You can't just start doing adhkar, made up ones that you've decided when they tell you, read this one 300 times every day and this one 200 times every night and this one 1000 times. All these things, numbers they make up. Where have they got these numbers from? Is there a hadith telling you you're supposed to read these adhkar, this dua, this many times? If there is, okay. If there isn't, you can't just make up a number, read this one 500 times every day. Who told you that? So you can't just make up worship yourself. Your worship will only be accepted if you do it how it tells us in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah, the Hadith. If you make something up, it won't be accepted. Because the Prophet told us that. He said, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدْ Whoever innovates something, brings about something new, which is not from our religion, then it will be rejected. 
it will be rejected. Even if you say, but I'm just doing it for the sake of Allah, I'm just showing my love, I want to worship. If it's something you've made up, it's not in the evidences of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, it won't be accepted. Even if you say, I'm doing it sincerely just to show my love. You're not going to be accepted with that worship. Because it's not something Allah and the Messenger told us to do. Allah said in the Qur'an, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ On this day, I have completed for you your religion. We know that Allah completed the religion for us. It wasn't left deficient. There were no gaps left in it. Full Islam was revealed. Everything complete. We know that because Allah said in the Qur'an, it's complete. So nobody can say there were gaps left after the Prophet died. There were still parts left we need to make up ourselves. Impossible to say that. Because in the Qur'an, Allah tells us it's finished. Islam is complete. Al-yawma akmaltu lakum dinakum. Ayah in the Qur'an. On this day, I have completed for you your religion. So now that the religion is complete, it is finished, it means nobody can add anything new into it. You cannot bring any new worship, do any new worship, which is not in there already. You can't. Because then you'll be adding new things into it. And the Prophet said, whoever adds something new into it, it will be rejected. Won't be accepted. Because Allah's already completed Islam for us. All of the different worships, how we're supposed to do them, we've already been taught. How to pray, we've been taught. How to do your dhikr, we've been taught. Everything we've been taught. Do it as we've been taught. You cannot make up any new way, any new worship. Make up something and say, this will show my love for the messenger. You can't. It will not be accepted. And this is a big mistake people fall into. The truth is, if you really want to show your love for Allah, then what are you supposed to do? If you really want to show your love for Allah, the best way to do that is by obviously, just follow exactly what Allah told you to do in the Qur'an and what the Messenger told you to do in the Sunnah. Everything that you've been told to do in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, just stick to that and do it. That will show your love. Because Allah said in the Qur'an, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي Say, if you truly love Allah, you want to show your love, then do what? فَاتَّبِعُونِي Then follow me. Follow the revelation, follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah, follow the messenger, follow all of that if you truly want to show your love for Allah. But if you're going to make up other things yourself, then you're not showing your love for Allah. Because then you're adding new things which Allah didn't tell us and the Messenger didn't tell us. How can that be showing love for Allah and His Messenger? By adding new things they didn't even tell us. That can't be showing your love. You want to show your love? Then stick to everything they taught us. Do everything they taught us. What Allah taught us in the Qur'an, what the Messenger taught us in the Sunnah, all of that revelation, stick to that and that is you showing your love for Allah and the Messenger. Not by making up new things. And that's why in a hadith it said, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ رَدْ Whoever does any action which is not from our actions of Islam, it was not revealed originally, then it will be rejected from you. Allah said in the Qur'an, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلِعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ حَدًا That whomsoever desires to meet his Lord, then let him do the righteous actions and do not commit any shirk. What is the righteous actions? The actions that are done in accordance to the sunnah. They are the righteous actions. Allah said, فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Let that person 
do the righteous actions. The believer needs to do the righteous actions. Which ones are the righteous actions? What's the definition of them? The actions which are from the Quran and the Sunnah. Not ones that you make up. Actions that are from the Quran and the Sunnah, they are the righteous ones. In Surah Al-Asr, Allah said, Wal-Asr, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاسَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاسَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ Allah said, by time, all of mankind is in loss. All of the humans, you are all in destruction. Except the ones who have iman, amanu, except for the ones who have iman, and they do the righteous actions, it says in the surah. All of mankind is destroyed. All of them are finished. Except the ones who have iman and they do righteous actions and they enjoin patience and their truth upon one another. So, who are the saved ones? The ones who have iman and the ones who do righteous actions, it says again in the surah. What are the righteous actions? It doesn't just say in the surah, whoever has iman and worships Allah. It says, whoever has iman and worships Allah with the righteous actions. What are the righteous actions? They are the ones which are found from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The worship we've been taught in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. As for doing your own worship made up, then that is not righteous. So that is very important to remember. As a Muslim, a person needs to be practicing the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The only way you can do that, the only way you can do that is through seeking knowledge. Through seeking knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. How can you practice what is in the Qur'an if you don't know what's in the Qur'an? How can you practice what's in the Sunnah if you don't know what the Sunnah is? You've never studied it. You've never read through the hadith about Bukhari, Muslim, these ones, nothing. How are you going to do it then? How are you going to practice these things if you don't know what these things are? How are you going to practice your religion properly if you've never studied it? So you can see the key to worshipping Allah properly is knowledge. Knowledge is the key to be able to worship properly. Without knowledge, you don't know. Without knowledge, you might be making wudu all of your life wrong and you don't even know. You might be doing something in wudu all your life and you don't even know it's wrong. Like when people make wudu, they wash their hands first. Then they wash their nose and their mouth out. Then they wash their face. Then they wash what? The arms. So they get the water in their hand and they pour it like this. They get the water and they pour it like this and it falls all the way down your arm and then they rub it on their arm everywhere. Up to the elbow. Then they get some more water and pour it down and rub it all over their elbow. They don't actually rub the hand. You don't actually rub the hand, do you? The water comes here and you just start rubbing from the wrist. From the wrist all the way down to the elbow everywhere. And then the same on the other side, it pours down from here. From the wrist everywhere they start washing. They don't actually include the hand, do they? Exactly. If a person doesn't include the hand, then all of your life you've been making wudu which is invalid. Your wudu is invalid if you don't even wash your hands there. This is one of the biggest mistakes people make in wudu. How do they not know? Because they don't seek knowledge. They get taught when they are kids, that's how you do it, they just do it. 
read and learn knowledge, come to lessons like this and come and read the Qur'an, read the sunnah, so you know these things. In the sunnah it says, when you wash your arms, you're not supposed to just pour it down like this, you're supposed to pour it everywhere in your hand as well. So when you pour it, get the water on your hand, in your fingers, and all the way up. Everywhere, including your hand. If you only pour it like this, and do this part, and you don't do your hand, your wudu is actually invalid, according to the sunnah. You're supposed to include both hands in it. People think, what's the point? At the beginning, I washed my hands anyway. Because at the beginning, when you wash your hands, that is not actually part of wudu. That is only a sunnah. It's mustahab. It's not actually part of wudu. You could actually open the tap and start straight away with the nose and mouth and face. You could. You could miss the hands at the beginning. And your wudu would be valid. But in the middle, after you finish your face and you get to your hands and your arm, if you miss them that time, in that part, then your wudu is invalid. Because that is the time when you have to wash your hands. At the beginning, that's optional. It's good to start by washing the hands first. Because you're going to be cleaning your face and everywhere. So you need to make sure your hands are clean. So you wash your hands first to make them clean. But in the middle, when you're pouring, you need to pour and get it on your hands. You don't even need to pour. This is something they mention, but you don't have to. Open the top, you can just put your hand under it everywhere and get the water everywhere. You don't even have to pour. But the key thing is to wash it all. So there's one example. Many people, they don't know that. They just do this and wash this part. They don't even do their hand. Wudu invalid. Invalid. How are you going to know that? By knowledge. Seek knowledge and you know how to make wudu properly. They pray. Give you an example in prayer. When they pray, so they do the Fatiha. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Everything they finish that part. They recite some surah. Qul Allahu Ahad. And then they do the Takbir Allahu Akbar and they go into Ruku'ah. In the Ruku'ah, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. Then after that, they say, Sami' Allahu liman hamida, Rabbana wa lakal hamd. And they come up about 45 degrees. So they're in Ruku'ah, they come up about 45 degrees. Sami' Allahu liman hamida, Rabbana wa lakal hamd. And then they say, Allahu Akbar, and go into prostration. They don't necessarily come all the way up. People don't necessarily come all the way up. Sami Allahu liman hamida rabbana wa lakal hamd and stand up properly and then say Allahu Akbar and go down. Most people they just Sami Allahu liman hamida as they're coming up a bit, 45 degrees or something, and then they just say Allahu Akbar and go down to prostration. If you do your prayer like that, as a Shaykh al-Uthaymeen said, it is also invalid. Because you have missed a key point of the prayer, which is to come and stand straight. When you come out of Ruku'ah, you're supposed to come up and stand straight. Then say Allahu Akbar and go to prostration. Same when they're in prostration. When they finish the first sajda, they say Allahu Akbar, and they are coming up about 45 degrees, and they say Allahu Akbar again, and do the second sajda. Again, wrong. You're supposed to say Allahu Akbar, come and sit properly. Then say Allahu Akbar and go down again. Slowly, properly, come up, go down, not just halfway, halfway and carry on. This is a big mistake. As Shaykh al said, if you pray like that, just half up, half down, going up and down, your prayer is invalid. It's not even correct. Your prayer is invalid like that. You're supposed to pray slowly, carefully, come all the way up. Then say Allahu Akbar, go all the way down. 
Then come up all the way. Every part do it properly. Not just halfway up and then go straight again down. This type of thing is a big problem. People, they don't realize what the sunnah is because they don't gain knowledge. So the knowledge is the key to make sure you're doing your worship properly so that it's accepted. You don't want to end up on the day of judgment and all of your life you've been doing your worship wrong because you never learnt it. Never learnt what the knowledge is. Never learnt how to make wudu properly, how to pray properly. Never learnt the basics of tawheed. Before the prayer and the wudu, the tawheed. People don't even learn the basics of tawheed and they still think you can go to the awliya as they claim, the peer and the different people they call them, go to them and start touching their feet and kissing them and bowing to them. Haram, shirk, who told you to do that? Did the Prophet ﷺ tell us to do these things? Never taught us to do these things. Did the Muslims used to go and do these things to Abu Bakr? Abu Bakr, the best Muslim from all of the people after the Prophet ﷺ. Did the other companions used to go to Abu Bakr and kiss him and throw money at him? Never. Umar ibn Khattab, did they used to go do that? Go throw money at him and kiss him and down prostrating. Haram, shirk, they never used to do these things. Never. These people who do it, say to them, give me a hadith. Show me where people used to do this type of thing to Abu Bakr. They say their imams are big imams, you have to respect them like this. Bow down, touch their feet, all these things. Say, okay, Abu Bakr, was he a bigger imam than this imam of yours or not? What are they going to say? Of course. They cannot claim their imam was bigger than Abu Bakr. They cannot say he's more of a mu'min than Abu Bakr. Than Umar, than Uthman, than Ali. Of course they are going to say Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. They are greater Muslims. Then say to them in that case, where is the proof, where is the hadith that the Muslims used to behave like this to Abu Bakr? Why did they not used to go and prostrate on his feet and throw money at him? Give me the hadith where they used to do this to Abu Bakr. Give me the hadith where they used to do this to Umar. Never! Never used to do it. Because they know this is shirk, this is haram, this is not from the sunnah. The Prophet never told them do these things and behave like this and respect your awliya, Abu Bakr and these people like this and prostrate and throw money. Never told them these things. So these things you know people have invented them themselves. They even go even further and they start saying things like their awliya. They say the awliya. They have dreams at night and Allah takes them to paradise and Allah talks to them. And then when they come back the next day, they say our awliya, the peer, etc. They got inspiration. They were spoken to by Allah last night in a dream. So now whatever they say, just listen to them. All nonsense again. Who told you that? Who told you they go and speak to Allah at night? All lies made up. Revelation is finished. There is no revelation now. You're not going to get revelation at night and you're going to be told do this and do that. All of this is made up and deviation and innovation from the people. You see how much foolishness people they do because they don't seek knowledge. They don't learn what the Quran is telling you and what the Sunnah is telling you properly. So they end up doing all of these things believing this is good and it's honorable and respect for the awliya of Allah. After they die, they say go to their graves, make dua. When people go to the grave of the Prophet they want to face the grave and make dua to the Prophet. Who told you to do that? Did Abu Bakr ever used to go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and make dua facing the Prophet? Putting his hands up facing the grave making dua. Oh, Ya Rasulullah, do this, do that. Did Abu Bakr ever do that? Did Umar ever do that? Uthman, Ali, the great companions. No, why not? Did they not know about this? Did they not know about this? That you can go to the grave of the Prophet and put your hands up and make dua. Ya Rasulullah, X, Y, and Z. Did they not know that? 
Is it possible that they didn't know that? Impossible. They knew about this. But they knew that it is haram to do that. They knew it's haram. You can't go and start making dua to the messenger. You can't go there and start facing it. Oh, Ya Rasulullah, do this, do that for us. Because there's even a hadith. You know when the messenger was alive. And one time there was a drought. No rain for a long time. So they went to the messenger and they said, Ya Rasulullah, you make dua for us. You make dua to Allah for the rain. That's okay, he was alive. It's like you say to somebody, make dua for me. When somebody's alive, it's allowable. So they went to him and they said, You, O Messenger of Allah, you make dua for us. Make dua to Allah for the rain to come. So he made dua. You know how you have the rain prayer. Made the dua, made the rain prayer, and the rain came. Years later, years later on, after the Prophet ﷺ had died, another drought happened. Another drought happened. No rain for a long time again. So they wanted somebody to make the dua again. They wanted someone to make dua to Allah for the rain to come. So who should they have gone to? What about the Prophet ﷺ? Who was, they were in Medina. They were in Medina. The Prophet was right there, buried in Medina. Shouldn't they have gone to the messenger? Who is the most senior? The messenger, of course. Shouldn't they have gone to him, to his grave, and said, Ya Rasulullah, we're in a drought. Please make the dua for us with Allah for the rain to come. They should have done that. But what did they do? Instead they said, we need to find someone, but they did not make that an option. They said instead we'll ask Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, close to the Prophet ﷺ, his uncle, we'll ask him, you make the dua. Why did they consider Abbas? Why would they go to Abbas radiallahu anhu? When the Prophet is right there, they could go to his grave, all of them could make the dua, Ya Rasulullah, we have a drought, please make the dua to Allah, make the rain come. Why didn't they go and do that? How would they even think about going to Abbas over the Prophet Who is superior? Who is senior? Abbas the uncle, radiallahu anhu, or the messenger sallallahu Who is senior? The messenger. So why would they go to Abbas? Why? Why would they not go to the messenger then? Why did they not? They knew it was haram to do that. They knew he's died now, you can't go to the grave and make dua, oh messenger, ya Rasulullah, this, that, the other. They knew you can't do that. That's why they thought, okay, who can we go to instead? They said, okay, in case, in that case, let's go to his uncle, the one who was close to him, Abbas. So they went to him, radiallahu anhu. They didn't go to the messenger because they knew it's haram to go to his grave and make dua. But these are the things that people don't understand. And when they go there, they want to go to the grave and face it. And Ya Rasulullah this, Ya Rasulullah that. Haram! Who told you to do this? The companions never did it. Never. You will never find a single hadith that they used to go and make dua. Ya Rasulullah help us, Ya Rasulullah this, Ya Rasulullah that. Haram to do it. But these things you're only going to learn them when you start learning the Qur'an and the Sunnah. When you start learning the knowledge. And you start learning the ahadith the rulings, what tawheed is, what shirk is, what the rulings of fiqh are, how to make wudu, how to pray. That is very important. And that's what these lessons are. That's why we gather every week just to do that, nothing else. Just to read the hadith, different hadith every week, read different ayat from the Quran every week, so that we can learn every week bit by bit, 
different things which are mentioned in the Quran, mentioned in the Sunnah. So slowly, slowly, every week you increase your knowledge. Slowly, slowly, every week you start learning new things. Because we read new ayahs, we read new hadith. So every week you start to learn more and more. And that is why it's so important to attend. To attend these types of gatherings of knowledge where the ahadith are being read, where the ayat are being read, so that we can become acquainted and knowledgeable about our religion, and so we can worship Allah in the proper way. So that is where we'll round off the short lecture tonight. If there's any questions about that or anything else, then we can take some now before concluding, inshaAllah. Fasting? Uh, fasting Monday, Monday and Saturday? Yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, that's okay. There's a hadith. There's a hadith about fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. Your actions, your worship that you do, it is raised up to Allah on Mondays and Thursdays. That is sunnah, no problem. To fast on Monday and Thursday because there is hadith. Our rule is simple. If you have a hadith, which is true hadith, authentic, Bukhari, Muslim, other books, it is an authentic hadith. Tells you something which is sunnah to do. Then do it. So this one about Monday and Thursday, it is there. There is a hadith. It says about fasting on Monday and Thursday. So do it. That's good. Anything else? I've got a question. If, um, if you live in a vicinity where there's a masjid that as Imam or Jamal that worships the Prophet, worships the Awliya, and there are other masajid that don't have bidah that calls kufr. But the one that calls the kufr is nearer in terms of distance. Where do we go to pray? Then without a doubt, you have to go to the one that's further away. If you have a masjid close to you, and there basically actions are bid'ah mukaffirah. They do actions which are basically shirk. Ya Rasulullah, Ya Muhammad, and all that kind of stuff. Calling upon the messenger. Haram for you to pray in that type of place. You can't pray in that mosque. Go to the one further away. Even if they've got innovation, but it is not mukaffirah. They have other innovations. Maybe they do things, whatever they do, but it's not like shirk like this. Then it's, you have to go to that other mosque. You cannot pray in the one near to you if they are doing bid'ah mukaffirah. That is the statement of the scholars, Imam Ahmad and everybody else. Bid'ah mukaffira, then you cannot pray there. Below that, it is not bid'ah mukaffira, it is not shirk extreme like that, then you can pray. So if it is further away, that kind of mosque, go to that one then. This one near, you cannot go to it then. I've not heard about that. Allahu alam. Yes, you have to respect your parents. The rights of the parents are the highest rights after the rights of Allah. After the rights of Allah and the Messenger, it's always the parents that are mentioned right up there as the second level. So you have to give a lot of respect and honor to the parents, but I don't know about that type of narration. Yeah, yeah. So in the past, if somebody didn't know, you just you didn't know. 
Nobody ever taught you, you never learned it, and that's what you've been doing. Then seek repentance, ask Allah to forgive you for all of that what's happened, forgive you for that ignorance that you didn't know about it. Now that you do, so now you start making it properly. Seek forgiveness what happened in the past, and now you got the knowledge, do it properly from now on, and that's it. Okay, we'll round off there then. What's happening with the... Now, right now? <coughs> so, there's going to be uh, food. There's some food which has been organized today. There's a meal organized as well for everybody. So, everybody can stay. Please stay. Have some food as well before you go. Uh, that will be right now. It's ready right now. That will be right now then. Right now we finish. We'll have the food. Inshallah, everybody stay. Have the food with us as well. And then after that, we can leave. Inshallah.